It's absolutely amazing how many gothic elements we can find sometimes in TV series, such as Midnight Mass. Uh, we can find things such as location. We can talk about the settings and locations to talk about all the gothic elements that we can find in the series. We can talk about the sublime. If you don't know what that is, I will tell you. We will tell you all about it. The uncanny identity, the supernatural, otherness, all these elements that we normally use to analyze literature and gothic literature are also elements that we can analyze in horror and in this gothic horror that we find in Midnight Mass. So this is what we're talking about in episode three in Alice in Gothic Land, The Road to Self-Recognition, where I interview writers, researchers, psychologists, and we analyze all the elements that help us with our identity. Even though identity is only one aspect of the Gothic, this is the path that I look into and I like to take you with me because it's so important nowadays. So in episode three with Tuche Kutlu, one more time, we are talking about this time two of these elements in episode three because there's so much to say. We're going to talk about the location and the sublime. So if you're really interested in these two aspects, location and the sublime in Midnight Mass, and you're not too sure what the concepts are, you want to know more about them, this program, this episode number three is for you, my friends. So I'll see you there. We are live now. Recording started. How are you? Good afternoon, Tuche. Welcome again. I am. I am fine. I'm talking uh, really fine, and I'm ready to speak about death and denial and grief and gothic and all things macabre once yes. again. Because this is my life. This is our life. <laughs> Basically, this is our lives. So uh, I don't know if you if it's weird that this gives me joy but i don't care i don't i don't i don't care <laughs> at all it gives no. me joy to talk about these things 
I think you're right. Is is it gives us joy because um, when you look around and you read articles and you talk to people, the inclination is always to suppress this mm -hmm. side of, of life. Yes, you know death. And then when you find someone you can openly talk about, it, it's like yippee! Yay! <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I, I feel what you mean because, you know, in many cases, when you talk about death, uh, as I said before, I lost my grandmother like one month ago and everyone is like silent and they're like, what should we say? Like, what, we, what should we do? And I'm like, no, no, it's natural. I mean, I'm not, I'm sad, of course, but like, I'm not completely uh, insane. Uh, like, I know that there would be a moment where she would pass away. I'm aware of the fact. I'm aware that death is as natural as birth. And so if you, are, if, you are, if you come to this life, we will surely leave it at one point if you're not a vampire or an angel, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever falls your boat. Um, so I'm really happy that I found someone that I can, I, I can speak about these matters quite frankly. Oh, thank you. Likewise, because it's so, that's it. You don't, um, judged or, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's true. There's not many people, but the, the funny thing else also is that when you start talking about these things, you start bringing other people who are thinking exactly the same and all of a sudden you're opening this pandora's box that is kind of <laughs> yeah. educational but yes we're going to talk about these things today as well because it's got to do a lot with the gothic horror and right. who we yeah. are and who in the part of us that we deny so yeah. yeah there's a lot a lot of things for us today so welcome to part three of these and now it's time for me to show the banner of Alice in Gothic Land, the road to self-recognition. We're giving this section a name because yeah, we're course. going to be um, like, now is the time for doing this. Yeah, there we go. This Yay! <laughs> the best. I love this. Yes. <laughs> I love our banner. It's, it's, it's great, I think. It's a work it's of cool. art. <laughs> thank you thank you i try my best i try my best well you know the people in it is good as well so it's uh it's a space um this this uh, corner is a space for people you know authors writers researchers and investigators people with a curiosity to actually come and and talk about these things that are dark but that are part of who we are as well so that's why we thought well it's a road because life is a journey and self-recognition because when we're talking about horror and all these things that's what we do we identify uh, elements of ourselves and this is what we've been talking about in the first two episodes and now on the third one we're going to continue a bit more with that and obviously before we go in it support i can't even do my own thing look <laughs> <laughs> Which way? Which way to go? Is the wrong way around on this? Yes. So there we go. So for you to uh, support our project, so Tuche and I can continue talking about wonderful things that scare you, but you learn from so much. We have the coffee page, 
is in Alice in Gothicland at the moment, 1402, which I realized the, the other day is like a Valentine's date. Yeah, I know. I just realized when you spoke about it, I was like, is that Valentine's Day? <laughs> yes, that, that wasn't on purpose now that I'm learning. <laughs> It wasn't on purpose at all, no, that's uh, coffee decided I look lovely. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're such a valentine to coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not making much with me at the moment, but one day when people start realizing how much they're learning, so support is yes. very important. Third time, third time is the charm, uh, definitely. Yes, yes, it could be, it could be, yes. Also, it's my favorite number, you know, number three is my favorite number, so... Yeah. Hmm, a lot of things around number three, a lot of meanings. So, Definitely. yes, there are also five. If you want, let's do a little bit of recap what, what we mm -hmm. did in episode one and in, in episode two. And so, if you remember, we talked about what is Midnight Mass all about for you. That was of course, of course. I, well, I said that it was about grief and guilt and how to survive and blind faith as well, I think is the biggest element in the story. And uh, what makes it so special is that it does it so effortlessly. People are, you know, criticizing the show about, you know, long monologues, but mm -hmm. those monologues were, were really uh, fascinating to me. They taught me so much. And uh, origins of the real Midnight Mass, we talked about that as well, how that plays into our hand, talking about grief and loss. And Flanagan's inspiration is from his own life, actually. Yeah. And he's kind of the Riley of his own story. And he's, I think he's sober for like five years now. And uh, that that was a very wild ride, and you know, tough thing to uh, to recover from. Actually, his addiction to alcohol, and uh, yeah, we talked about those stuff. I remember. Yeah, and in episode two, we didn't do four points like in episode one because we got a lot into the camera angles and how grief mm -hmm. looks in midnight mass. So that took a long time and how to create awareness. What is it that the thing that you came out from episode two? What is it that you think yeah, this was this was really, really valuable? Yeah, I think uh, the episode two was more about the cinematography rather than the narrative. And cinematic cinematography uh, tells us how you can uh, create meaning with light and sound and mise-en-scene and the acting, all those things that come like that, that are just elemental to the cinematic genre. And of course, we talked about those. And one thing we missed, and Alistair thankfully reminded us, is the empty chair technique that maybe we, sh we can talk about a little bit. And it's a it's a kind of technique from uh, Gestalt therapy, actually. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, in Gestalt therapy, there is just this technique that, uh, you know, the client conducts and, you know, emotional dialogue with uh, 
with aspects of himself in this case, in Riley's case, or some significant person, sometimes a parent, sometimes the person you have killed, and who is imagined to be sitting in the empty chair during the session. And the client then, you know, exchange chairs and takes the role of that person. And this, uh, this technique is also called uh, the empty chair technique and also the two chair technique. And it's really important uh, for the story because that, that there was an empty chair between Riley and Paul in the therapy session. And all the things that he maybe wanted to say to his parents, to the girl that he killed, and they were right there in the empty chair, like all the things that he wanted to say, and uh, like that person was even here, even there, uh, occupying that chair, and that's really important. And the episode two is also about how grief looks in Midnight Mass, because there's there's a lot of grief in Midnight Mass. I mean, there's Aaron losing a baby, and there's Aaron losing uh, her entire childhood to to a drunkenness and to to a really bad family life. And then you see Riley dealing with the fact that he killed someone and he is grieving as well. And then, of course, there is uh, the physician played by Annabeth Gish, who is, uh, her, her mother is alive, but he, she has dementia. She's losing her identity. So in a way, our resident doctor is also grieving her mother. And that's really important to the story. And of course, there's Paul, who's grieving himself because he's no longer the Monsignor. Uh, he's someone else and he has to hide that fact at least for a little while. And uh, that that's really important. And creating awareness was, uh, you know, uh, was the thing that we wanted to do during the both of the episodes, but more episode two, more on episode two, because um, this is really important. People don't like to talk about death, but as much as we avoid it, uh, it will just come back to haunt us, just like a ghost, just like a gothic ghost that will just like keep coming because it represents your guilt. It represents something else and it will just keep coming. I mean, you can't kill the monster. You can't kill the ghost. They're already, like, the ghost is already dead. And it will just haunt you forever if you're not, you know, if you don't come face to face with it, if you don't face it, uh, face your fears and face what you've done in this life. And creating awareness is really important in this aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you've said there are a lot of things that are super, super important that we talked about. And we're going to continue looking at those but from different angles. But before we move now straight into episode three today, I want to just leave this teaser that we were talking about before. We've been thinking of doing something special for those who are liking these episodes, these presentations, these talks. So if you want to know more, if you are really enjoying this, you'll have to wait until the end because at the end we're going to tell you about what we're thinking of doing so you can get a little bit closer to this 
to what we're doing and in this road of self-recognition, this identity, but you'll have to wait until the end of the pre of this first episode three of this video. So there we go, tease it down. <laughs> we can move on, yeah. on to episode three. So yes. I wanted to start this one with the Gothic elements. This is how we closed the other day with the Gothic elements. Yeah. And also more specifically, in the American Southern Gothic, because that's what we have here. Yes, we do. We have we do. The American. I'm not too familiarized with this, and so I did a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes that I found about the uh, Southern Gothic was that it's a subgenre of American Gothic fiction. Probably you know more about this than I do. And it was set in the South. It uses ironic and macabre characters. Now we can start seeing things that we talked about in the show exactly yeah. the scenes are to highlight the south implicit values and beliefs so the purpose of this southern gothic literature is to address the underlying social boom boom big big lie there and cultural issues of the south and this makes it slightly more political than american gothic literature in general so about this quote this is actually from our our location so it's a, a website so people go there i'm not plagiarizing i plagiarizing anybody which is actually supporting other people in the in the space so if you want yeah. to know more about what these uh, or the web page they do talking about gothic novel and literature go and have a look um this is where i took their quote from so i think we need to bear this in mind when we now start analyzing all the elements because it's important to frame things and to put them in context. Of course, it's, it's really important, especially we're talking about something so complex as Gothic, you know, yes. it's, it's yeah. something that, that is just uh, full, of, full of alterations and full of differentiations. Uh, Gothic is uh, really the root of horror that yeah. that much we know that much we know i mean it's it's uh, completely true that uh without gothic we wouldn't have horror at all i mean the mm -hmm. first uh like like the first real horror films are uh i mean adapted from gothic novels i mean look right. at dracula look at frankenstein i mean uh it's very pretty obvious that horror owes a lot to gothic novel right. and yes, romanticism and romanticism yes which is kind of confusing because when you start investigating that as well the gothic was even there before the romantics and yeah it keeps coming back and it all gets tangled so yeah gothic elements Yay! Oh. gothic elements i love that i love that and like uh, talking about gothic, I think uh, maybe some of the uh, people who will watch have no idea what gothic is. Probably. And gothic is maybe I will do a little bit, you know, introduction yeah. to what gothic is and gothic elements are. And uh, Robert Harris uh, actually talks about gothic elements and uh, he says that there are some elements that needs to happen in gothic novels for it to be gothic. Mm -hmm. One, setting in a castle. 
which is very important. And it can be a castle, but he says that it can also be a cave. And in our case, there is a cave. And uh, because cave is, you know, very uh, dark place. It's very, uh, it's claustrophobic. Uh, you're entrapped in a cave. And there are a lot of elements that go, uh, go with uh, hand in hand with caves. And he says that there's the other element called an atmosphere of mystery and suspense. And there has to be an ancient prophecy. There has to be omens, portents or visions. And there has to be supernatural or otherwise inexplicable events. And high and even overwrought emotion, women in distress, women threatened by a powerful, impulsive, tyrannical male, and the metonymy of gloom and horror, and of course the vocabulary of the Gothic, which is, you know, mystery, fear, surprise, anger, and darkness. All of those have to happen in some form in gothic novel or gothic films and as you as you can maybe uh you just when when i was talking you just matched it with midnight mass because a lot of the elements that i just said uh quoted by robert harris are in fact in midnight mass you know there is uh there is uh, a confined space there's a there's a castle but the, also the church is important in this setting church yeah. is church is dark and gloomy and there is an atmosphere of mystery and suspense in the show and there's an ancient prophecy with the angel and all that and there are visions i mean uh riley keeps dreaming a vision and uh, of course, there is a supernatural events uh, that so the girl just uh, shows up walking, I mean, out of nowhere. And there is just high emotion, especially terror, terror and fear is uh, the show was full of it. And there are women in distress, multiple women in distress in, on, on the show. And uh, there's a tyrannical male in the form of Father Paul. I mean, he's he seems really nice at first, but actually, mm. Mm, actually, and the, of course, there is uh, gloom and horror in it and uh, all the vocabulary of the Gothic, you know, fear, terror, sorrow, all of it are in, yeah. are in Midnight Mass. So... I think yeah. uh, that it's safe to say that this is a gothic, gothic TV show. Uh, you it cannot is. escape that fact. I no, mean, after it's the, yeah, yeah, it's got all the elements. Yes, and when we start looking at the the places and stuff, I mean, the, all all the spaces. Anyway, we're going to start from each of them, but um, the whole film has got this dark color, this vintage dark color all over and decay because it's an abandoned place it's old it's almost abandoned yeah. because there's not enough people and 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 they're enclosed in the little island so there's no exit for them so these claustrophobic feelings very you know, claustrophobic faces as well yes it's just very claustrophobic mm. <laughs> i had to do this i had to do this i mean when we we're talking about gothic I'm just like looking for a ghost in the hallway. 
<laughs> candles in the back. You can't see them. I got my little candles in my life. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> so there had to be some. And you know where, where uh, you know, you can actually see a lot of the gothic novels in the film. For example, uh, I love Shirley Jackson. You know that, you know, my love for Shirley Jackson. And uh, Shirley Jackson has a has a tale called uh, the Lottery, and it's about blind faith as well. And it has a really horrible mass suicide in it, and it reminds me of, so much of Midnight Mass. And there is of course Salem's Lot by Stephen King, and well, it's about a small town, and it's about vampires. So. Uh, Gothic, uh, gothic novel uh, is alive in Midnight Mass in these forms as well. I mean, modern, modern gothic novels. And uh, talking about Southern Gothic is quite similar but different at the same time because, um, you know, this time it is uh, it's more macabre, but it uses the macabre for you know as you said political and social uh means and it's really interesting it uses the gothic tools uh not for the sake of suspense but to explore uh social issues and that's really important and it also has a magical realistic kind of uh context rather than a strictly fantastical one and it's really important uh, when you look at the story when you look at midnight mass you see that it's also using uh, gothic elements for you know social commentary it talks about alcoholism it talks about you know drunk driving and you know car crashes it talks about uh, social class because this town before Father Paul is a town that's about to die. Is um, you know there is an element of social class yeah. written in its pages. The you know there is there are a lot of shops that are closed, and people are leaving the town, leaving the island for mainland. And it's really important because this is a kind of like fishing town. A fishing town where labor is important, but people are leaving uh, this place. And so it's, it's a social commentary as well. So Southern yeah. Gothic is hand in hand with social commentary in Midnight Mass. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. Absolutely. No, and what you're saying, you know, the, the Gothic, a lot of people try to describe it in so, in so difficult and um i mean the the elements i've picked on here are the elements that i normally like to talk about but as you say there are many more i mean and we're going to be the, the new things that or new elements that we're going to be mentioning are in within those big blocks if you want but is as you say it's something that moves all over and is not fixed um i think what for example sam Hurst she uses always that that word is uncertain and when she says that i think by saying that it's is the general of uncertainty that's it isn't yeah. it and when, when you've got uncertainty you've got everything as well so it's um yeah it's a difficult one but then as as we are going to be seeing things we're going to be we're going to be start we're going to start matching 
uh, all this information as well. So yeah, I, I would like to go first for location. I mean, we have location, the sublime, mm -hmm. the uncanny identity, super important, and mainly for what Alison Gothland does. Normally, this the work is towards always identity and the supernatural and otherness, but they all get tangled and they all get intertwined. But if we start with the location, we yeah. see these binomials. So mm -hmm. I would like to talk about and compare and contrast the outdoors with the indoors. So for the outdoors, I've done a selection of places. It could be that mm -hmm. left something. So here you might be wanting to add or to say of something course. because the first image is the car crash that I'm not sure what it happens, but it looks like we have a city in the background. It's not, it's not in the island. This is outside. outside. So there are not many places um, outside the island, but there are some moments where the characters actually step out into the, the world, don't they? So, yeah, yeah we're saying that uh, there are a few moments uh, where the characters step outside the island and that's how it starts, isn't it? It starts with these outdoors. And I suppose this is San Francisco. This is New York. I'm not sure because look at all the buildings I... in the background. This is the yeah. first time the opening scene of the accident. Yeah. So we have here that we're already creating in our heads what, what is going to happen. But also we want to know more about this character. And all of the sudden we move to this city kind of modern town life. Oh, he goes to um, Jerusalem. This is a different setting again. So we have, but nighttime, in the first one we have this nighttime outdoors with all the artificial lights. And in the second one, mm -hmm. we have a, com a completely different country. And yeah. we have to believe here. And then yes, then we go to the island itself. And in the in the island, there are like different spaces. I mean, we have the seaside that we have here at the at the end, but then we have different parts of the the village. So <clears throat> we get a lot of different points of view uh, of the outdoors, but still, it's claustrophobic. It's very claustrophobic. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect outdoors to be claustrophobic you know generally indoors are supposed to be claustrophobic but of course uh, apart from you know uh, jerusalem scenes and the scene in the beginning uh, the entire entire show takes place on an island like yeah. like an actual island so yeah. it doesn't matter if they're outdoors because they are trapped on a little soil in the middle of the ocean so uh it's not really uh of course it's, it's uh, you would feel entrapped in that island and um when you look at the first scene though with the car and the car crash you get uh emotionally emotionally really sad because you know what what's happened you know because you see the dead girl lying there on the road and uh, you see that something terrible has happened and you feel and it's dark it's a really dark spot and it's, it's shot in a way that you know messes with your mind like what's going on and uh, it feels like 
you want to know more, but also you don't want to know more because you know something terrible happened. And in the Jerusalem scene, uh, you see this like really, really, uh, you know, sunny location, but also there is a wall and walls are always there to keep something out, keep someone out. And of course, there is the scene with the cave uh, later uh, in, in episode, I think it was episode three. Uh, and you see that uh, caves are, as I said before, are always about entrapment. And uh, I don't know if you watch the film The Descent, The Descent 1 and The Descent 2. Uh, they are, yeah, you should watch it. And uh, anyone who is watching us should watch it because uh, the first one especially, the second one is also good, but the first one especially is a brilliant story, a female narrative, which is important. And it's also about grief. Of course yeah. it is, because <laughs> of course it is. Everything is about grief these days. Yeah. And um, and there is a cave and you feel there's there's sun in the cave, but you feel somehow entrapped. And uh, of course, when you come to the other two screen grabs, they're on Crocodile Island. And as I said before, it's an island. It's an actual island. So... The only way you can leave that place is through boats or ferry or whatever you can find that can cross the cross the ocean and take you to safety in the mainland. And uh, yeah, outdoors outdoors is somehow claustrophobic in yeah. this show, and it's really yeah. uh, it's really one of his high points because uh, it's uh, it's not that easy to make someone feel claustrophobic in an outdoor setting and Absolutely. and the show does it beautifully yeah i guess is that the point of the lights that you were saying before now you can bring the candle again the point of the light and there you go that that is that color as well the whole thing is that color as well you know and you know there's an interesting fact i was as i was looking for pictures to put this together i was reading articles because a lot of these pictures are in articles and there was it looks like you know talking about uh, synchronicities and and things that happen sometimes when they were recording uh, the film the, the film the series sorry they had to stop because of the pandemic so it naturally when old all the setting it naturally started wearing off as it did because of the months mm -hmm. that they had to wait and i thought isn't that amazing how nature has kind of contributed to yeah. the series naturally as well and it brings this reality to it obviously because it just happened and it's you know these curiosities that sometimes may you think mm, is that just coincidence or is there something else there you know that's that's my gothic mind. It's Go never, on. it's never coincidence. It's never coincidence. Oh, if it, if it involves Mike Flanagan, it's never coincidence. <laughs> true, true. But you know, he used the pandemic in that sense, and he left it there because they did the setting in this island that it really exists in the map. So it's a of real course. play, but it, it, um, yeah, the setting started going out, and they just left it there. 
So as for indoors, you mentioned the cave. Obviously, we have a little cave, but also like, this cave for me is like a portal. It's a portal to the other, you know, it's, it's a portal to immortality, I would say. Mm, yes. It is. It is, it is a portal days. between life and life forever, life and death, but also life and forever. It's a portal to both mortality and immortality. It's really interesting, fascinating we, in that aspect. Yeah, I guess we could even see like a, like um like a womb where he dies there. And uh, the same yeah. time he's reborn there because he and he's reborn. So Definitely. it's like this exit, like if it was a uterus and you know that that kind of thing. And he's there on the edge, and he's like, Well, what am I doing? This this portal. So yeah, the cave has the indoor place i think is oh it's so so creepy and then obviously the church because of the massacre that the ma everything yeah. goes on oh. in the church and there's something yes. i found um what was it um yeah somebody mentioned that oh there was a quote about the indoors yes there's another another girl um a, a youtube channel called riot pants and she mentions um was it uh, she talks about the gothic elements as well but no there was a moment where I, I mean i took so many notes that the church is a place i don't know if, if she said that in the video because i took notes of what she was saying too because it, it was giving me also it, it was making me think um when she talks about a or an article i can't remember the church as the place where you are born because you get christened in there Mm -hmm. But then you get married, well, you do your confirmation, at least in, in Spain, with the confirmation, then you get married in the church, but then you also get buried in the church. Buried Everything in the church. happens in the church. So yes. this microcosm that, that all your life goes through the church. Yeah. It's really interesting, as you said, you are born and you are baptized and you're you're get you're getting married there and you're getting uh to the funerals of your loved ones and finally you no. die yourself and your own yes you go to your own and you're just buried there in the church church's garden sometimes even even that happens so uh it's really important it's it's when you look at it that way it's really claustrophobic through entire through your entire life because you yeah. spend your entire life in the confinement of the church and yeah. uh it's very different from you know uh my my religion uh, from islam because we're not i mean it happens of course we uh we do the prayer thing for the deceased as well but we are not buried near the mosque if you are buried in the cemeteries uh, mm -hmm. that, that are apart from uh, mosques and we don't get married in mosques for example we are, we are not baptized and uh, so we have a different relationship for our uh, with our holy places and mm -hmm. um, but like in the show like catholic faith is so um how can you say like is um is <laughs> it's at at times gothic 
you know yeah. that uh, there's an element of mystery there's an element of fear and if you if you read the old testament it's a very vengeful god right. it's a very scary scary god that wants to punish punish all that uh, has crossed uh, crossed the god yeah and yeah. i i did I, I didn't want to give any pronouns and uh when you look at it when you look at the show and you, we are see, seeing as the second uh, screen grab there is the hut of uh father paul and yeah. it's another place that where you you have to feel safe but afterwards there's a murder there he kills someone and there's a bloodbath basically in that very safe space that should have been uh, particularly comfortable and particularly safe because, you know, there is a holy man inside, but yeah. uh, you aren't even safe there. So um, that is also very claustrophobic uh, because you cannot escape. I, I remember the time where he kills the local drunk and he, he the, the man wants to get away. The man wants to get away from the hut, but father paul doesn't let him and he kills him in cold blood in like in a blood hungry way uh it's very visceral uh the, the that scene that's true and when you look at the cave as you said it's a portal i think it's a portal between life and death and uh it's also it, it resembles a womb because he dies there as an old man, but is reborn as a young man, as his as his finest self, he is reborn, and this time he is immortal. But of course, there is a catch: <laughs> he will kill people for blood, and uh, of course, he doesn't know that fact because he thinks he's dealing with a vampire, I with an angel, not a vampire. So um, there is this scene where, you know, he can't leave. He's an old man. He's frail. Uh, he doesn't know how to run. He, he, he doesn't even know if he can run from this creature. And uh, he just surrounds himself to this angel that he deems as an angel because it's easier to accept. <laughs> rather than uh, accepting that you uh, you are being turned into a vampire by an actual vampire yeah. it's easier to accept that he's an angel as a you know believing man the doctor Aaron uh, they have a scene they have multiple scenes in his office and uh, they, because Aaron is was pregnant uh, in the first episodes and then Aaron. the baby just poof goes away the baby is just like uh never happened it's just like the baby never happened and uh for after learning that aaron aaron feels confined in that space because you know yeah he's claustrophobic from that moment on because that was the place where she went to check on her baby it was a happy place for her but then after learning that the baby doesn't exist anymore it's not a happy place for her it's a very sad sorrowful place where he can't that she can't escape from yeah. and uh yeah 
So no, indoors no. is also indoors play indoors places that are also very claustrophobic uh, yeah. in the show. Yeah. There are also the family spaces as well in the houses, and I, I couldn't have more space for them. But also mm -hmm. yeah, the houses. But no, you're right about yes, Sarah. She's called the doctor. We keep Sarah. Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Um, Sarah and Erin. In 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 this case, uh, I think when she goes and check out outside to confirm what had happened to her, this outside yeah. is again is strange and is not um, friendly because it's, it's not shown. There's no exactly, but we don't know what it is. We think it, or at least I think that it's outside the island because I think she goes to the main to the she, main. She goes land. to the mainland. Yeah, the mainland, but. Right. We, we only hear the mention of the mainland. We don't see the mainland. Well, That's the, the problem. Office. We see the woman and we see the office and we see we imagine that she's outside and it's yeah. not it's not a pleasant, it's not a friendly space because they are, are actually saying that you're crazy because yeah. this baby was never there. And good job that she had Sarah saying, yes, it was because I also heard it, but I can't explain to you scientifically yeah. what happened so in that sense there's this also this friendship because they both know what they both know and they can be crazy so i think in this sense she's lucky erin is looking we as yeah. audience we're lucky that okay we have someone we can trust on we know our senses are not fooling us mm -hmm. and actually something else going on here so there's also actually i think there's a bit of a blend between the outdoors and indoors normally normal because you can't just have these spaces at the moment that you have to travel with um from from one to the other place then you have yeah. this this gothic space <clears throat> again these gray areas so yeah i think um we've covered the location more or less yeah yes. i think we did i think we did yeah, yeah. And we're going to start with the sublime. I don't know how long we're going to have for the sublime or we have to go to part four with these, but let's have a go. So we've yeah. got, it's not an hour yet. So in 15 minutes, let's see, we can cover the sublime. I think we can, yeah, we can cover the sublime and we will leave the uncanny for the fourth part. <laughs> That's right. Yes, we'll do that. So when we talk about the sublime, obviously we have to go back to the romantics. And I wanted to emphasize from the romantics here, nature and art for two reasons but we'll go to this first some quotes and um, you know everybody talks about um edmund burke as being the first edmund philosopher about the the sublime but the truth is that it already appeared in the first century a.d mm -hmm. under the literary work called on the sublime and it makes reference to aesthetics and the importance of good writing so it was used for what was good writing versus bad writing. And it was based on a text by Cassius Longinus, um, who talked about five important elements of the sublime. So he talked about great thoughts. So yeah, we can, if we think about the series, we have the idea of the great thoughts um, with all the chats and the philosophical conversations, we'll have all the great thoughts there. Then strong emotions, definitely, we can think of how they react to this thing in different ways. There's certain figures of thought and speech as well. The noble diction and dignified word arrangement is for the literary text, but then when you take that into art or your connection with nature, we still see this connection. That's why we have then Edmund Burke that talked about uh, 
the artistic effect productive of the strongest emotion the mind is capable of feeling. And he, this is was on the theory, a philosophical inquiry into the origin, this is very long, of our ideas of the sublime and beautiful in 1757. So this is previous to the Romantics, just before the Romantics, but the Romantics took this idea of the sublime from this. So basically, is this idea of awe, admiration, how would you, for you, the sublime, you think of the sublime, what do you think of? What is the first thing that comes to mind? Um, yeah, the, as you said, the earliest text, as we know of, of the sublime, was written uh, by uh, Longinus uh, in the first or, you know, first century AD. Uh, but, of course, when we talk about sublime, the literary concept of the sublime, uh, it, uh, it is born in the 17th century uh, from its use in alchemy. Alchemy. Mm is interesting in this uh, if, if you look at it that way and uh, it became important in the 18th century uh, yeah. and the development is is shown in a lot of works but of course the sublime is uh, generally associated with the treatise of Edmund Burke who is a very uh, early researcher of the sublime. And the idea of the sublime then uh, was taken up by Kant, Immanuel Kant, and the Romantic poets, uh, uh, a lot of them, in including the Wordsworth, uh, one of the uh, important uh, Romantic poets. But Burke, Burke is important for us because uh, he describes, you know, one's reaction, interactions with the physical world affect the formulation of ideals related to beauty and art. And he defines the sublime in his text as whatever is fitted in any sort to excite the ideas of pain and danger, whatever is any sort terrible or isn't conversant about terrible objects or operates in a matter analogous to terror. And Burke believed that uh, sublime is something that could provoke terror in the audience, for terror and pain were the strongest of emotions to him. And mm -hmm. he also believed that um, there was uh, this kind of like pleasure in, the, in that emotion, in terror and pain. And um, well, uh, of course, uh, in this, in this, uh, if you look at it that way, like if you look at John Milton's Paradise Lost, for example, uh, in in there, death and Satan are considered sublime. Yeah. And of course, if you look at it, our our show that we're talking about, death and Satan. If you if you look at the vampire Satan. Uh, they're called, they may be called sublime. I mean, death is already called sublime. And um, it is really important the, that relationship between, you know, sublime and the show. Mm. And of course, uh, after the poetry, like uh, romantic poetry, uh, it didn't stop there. It, it didn't stop our relationship to sublime because it had lasting effects. You know, the literary sublime, you know, found in romantic poetry uh, has lasted for generations. And maybe even Mike Flanagan 
I think, was affected by it. Uh, the Victorians didn't use the term sublime, but, uh, but a, a similar state of emotion can be found in their writings. And uh, they call it tragic joy. And of course, Sigmund Freud is another I important name in, in the research of sublime, because he took the uh, sublime as a literary form and examined the psyche behind it and he termed sublimination and other authors that use the sublime after the romantic period included you know dickens yeats and other people that uses uh, the sublime as a kind of like understanding of a sense of wonder within mm. for example in science fiction literature uh, so sublime is important for horror, science fiction, and all of those because uh, it's you know it's about tragedy and joy uh, and a lot of things that happen in real life in nature. Uh, so also it is about you know good writing and bad writing in the beginnings. So uh, when you, for example, look at a show like Midnight Mass, you see that. Uh, you see this creature that is only can describe as the sublime and yeah. Yeah. Uh, his death, his gore, his everything that's uh, full of terror and it creates an emotion in you that is about terror and about pain. So it is sublime and right. the entire show focuses on the sublime, I think. Yeah, I'm not thought of that. Yeah, I was really focused on these lines, but you're right. Yes, is it goes beyond this little quote here. Is is more? There's more things involved in in the sublime. Yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. that's it's why it's so gothic, isn't it? Because it kind of spreads to a lot of other different spaces and areas. But yeah, no, you're you're right. I I was putting the the um all the slides together i'm thinking well these elements could be here as well and could be here as well and that's the thing about the gothic isn't it that it, yeah. it shifts and it moves and is is this um like like jelly thing that moves all over and and covers everything so yeah you were mentioning yeah. um the elements of fear horror for sublimity but mm -hmm. also um if we go to the like the basics We've got that nature and sea, you know, when we have the, like I have in the back, the painting of uh, the the man looking at the landscape thing. I always say the name wrong. My favorite painting of David Friedrich, Casper, Casper David Friedrich. I never say the names right. I'm terrible. <laughs> My favorite painting, I don't know the name. Um, the man uh, looking over the sea fog. You know, that's my favorite painting the, from the Romantics and it's portrayed everywhere. I'm going to have to bring it next time. I'll bring it for the next part. Um, but yeah, I, I always think of that, isn't it? About when we are in in a, in a big space, like we have Riley here looking at the vast sea and God knows what he's thinking there. And it's kind of the freedom is the other side, but it's this admiration of nature and almost like whatever happens to me is not as important because look at the immensity and other things that go out there. Um, so yes, yeah, what you say. But then I also found that if we look into the art side of things, we have these art stations that I was not thinking about the other day. And yeah. they tell the story, and this is very sublime as well because we have information 
visual information in art and what you know when we get in the sublime in the arts what that looks like and we have all these star art stations in the film in the, in the series yeah, that narrate the story and that's so beautiful that again that's very sublime again because we have the the information what would you say for the paintings or would you put them like in a different category well, uh, I, I mentioned a little bit about Immanuel Kant. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a really important name following Edmund Burke because uh, his idea of the sublime is different yeah. uh, than Burke. Uh, for Kant, the sublime is more you know, infinite, more endless, and can be found even in an object that has no form, such as sea for example, mm -hmm. uh, and the sublime, you know, should be regarded as a kind of like uh, presentation to him of an indeterminate concept of reason. So basically, uh, he argues that beauty is a temporary response of understanding, but the sublime goes beyond the aesthetics into, you know, realm of reason. So uh, when you look at it, uh, when you look at it, you know, the nature and the sea, you see sea as something that has no form. So it is kind of sublime. And when you look at art and stations, art is about aesthetics. So aesthetics yeah. is really important because, as I said, uh, the sublime goes beyond the aesthetics into a realm of reason, as Kant says, uh, puts it. And uh, so art and nature are always, because art is the cultural arena and okay. nature is, is different. And they are generally, you know, um, pushed uh, into different kind of sides of the uh, spectrum. But because nature is kind of like uh, inhabited and wild and then you come to the cultural area that also has art in it. It's more cultivated, it's more, you know, um, tame, as you will. Mm. So these areas are, you know, opposite one another. But are they really? Are they really so opposite from one another? And uh, I think the show sh shows us because art, where do you see art in the show? You see it in the church. And yes. <laughs> where the wild things happen, the wildest thing, things happen in the church on the show. So yeah. uh, it's not a very cultured <laughs> place at that moment. It's a wild and visceral place at, especially at the end it's just yeah. it's just bloodbath basically That's it's right. just uh, it's just like um uh i mean your typical uh meat shop meat grinder the entire the last episode is so visceral that uh it's not different from nature at all they're like animals playing uh playing a game of you know uh catch them and kill them and uh so the importance between the you know differentiation between the two just you know comes very very close and it just blurs the lines by the end of the show that's so true yes i've not thought of those aspects as well but either but 
yeah, you're so right. Yes, it's it just you're just talking. I'm just uh, thinking of parts of the film, and it's true. And I keep calling it film the series when it gets to to the end again. It's well, well, he it was planned as a film actually, but then he realized my Flanagan realized that he couldn't put all of those in a film. So my gosh, we are serious. We are <laughs> the one chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. thankfully, thankfully it's a mini series. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's see what people think because if hey people we're getting to the end now. If people like it, um let me see the next one. Uh, we got into the uncanny, so we're gonna go this for the next part. But if people now, yes, if you waited till the end, uh you are here in the miniseries. Um, what we are going to do for those who are enjoying this and following and commenting is to give you the opportunity of coming to one of our events, but we're going to make them live and make at least one live. Uh, so then you can come and ask questions. And we are thinking of proposing some topics about Midnight Mass or maybe other topics connected to Midnight Mass, maybe references that we can find from other films in Midnight Mass. And then we can let it to you guys, to the audience, to decide what would you like to talk about and bring your questions. We'll do a presentation. But to know more, you have to follow us, uh, keep an eye, because in the next programs, we're going to be telling you more about how you can actually participate and when to come. And we'll find a day. We need to decide on when this is going to be done. So for now, if you're interested, start leaving your comments. Let us know because we can then start emailing you and giving you free thingies as well as well as you know yeah. the support the support as well there you know free thingies but sometimes supporting is nice as well so keep the support <laughs> supporters there you go support in coffee if you're enjoying this as you can see uh, we've got a lot of content to share has loads of information that you will only find in a university lecture so this is good stuff i hope you've all got your pens papers and everything and good job this is recorded because we can go back and listen again and, and make yeah. our notes to follow today as always she's on twitter and she's on instagram so what is the thing again that you do that's so funny yeah like that you can do it with a lantern now with a little lantern <laughs> yeah with the lantern please follow me this way Yes, exactly. You kind, kind ladies and gentlemen, please follow me. And all the other gender pronouns, please follow me this way. Everybody, everybody with a brain. This is how I say it. Yes, folks, come on. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm all over the show as well. So you know where to find me. I'm all over the yes, you're everywhere. <laughs> It all got with my top that I made myself. There you go. I'm gonna start selling merchandising soon as well. And new logo, Alison got yes. Me I love that. I love the merchandising. There you go. Yes, great job. I, no, great I, job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will. I will do this lanterns as a kind of merchandise. Hey, you never <laughs> No, you never know. Don't knock you it. Never know. You never know. You never know. Don't knock it until you try it. It's really, <laughs> exactly. it really takes back to you. You know, it it takes you back to Dickens novels and stuff. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Don't. Right. Well, 
thank you very much Tucci, again thank you for having me and thank you for being a great host as always oh thanks that's kind that's kind of you you're biased okay you're the best you no, you're the best to close it no okay. thank you thank you very much because i have learned lots of things uh you know when you thank investigate you. you always get one side of the stories because you also have your preferences as a researcher and as a learner but then it's great when you get all the views on the same thing because then it all complements and this is also something that people should do they you should always go to sources different points of view to get your own opinion but keep investigating that way and you get like a, a, a rounded vision and then to apply it to whatever you're watching and learning so that's our recommendation of the day and thank you very much and i'll see you again on episode four number four okay so see you okay. see bye. you bye, bye.